Hey, Adel Marcy here for another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host as always, and today we're sponsored by AdelMarcy.com. Um, we are also sponsored by PurelyHosting.com forward slash Adel, where you can get a cool website built for you to the value of $2,500 to $3,000 uh, as soon as you get the hosting from them. It's pretty cool. They have really good support times and up times, um, and pretty secure overall. Sorry, that's my cat going absolutely batshit crazy. Um, and also we're sponsored by Attention Domination today. Attention Domination, the place to actually go check out how to dominate your marketplace, understand how to best conserve, best get into your customer's head and really basically make them think about you in a way that basically makes you the number one thing on their mind when they think about marketing and life and awesomeness and stuff regardless of what market you're on. And today I actually managed to wrangle in the guy that created the site. He's a good friend of mine. Steve, welcome to the show. How you doing? Thanks for having me, mate. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. I totally just butchered your intro, which is awesome. <laughs> you know, because that's what I do. So that's it. I mean, I don't need to talk anymore. This is this is the internet age. This is the digital age. The, the, the job's done. Time to go. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's like I'm a man of few words. Any questions? <laughs> that's pretty much you right there. Wham, bam. Thank you, man. But um, Steve is a really good friend of mine. We've known each other for coming up to four years now, maybe five years. Yeah, it's, it's coming up to that, mate. Yeah, it's crazy. If this is a relationship at this point, I'd be like, "Where's my engagement ring?" But you know, it's not. He's married, so damn it. Lindsay, you're a lucky woman. <laughs> Smooth talker. <laughs> Definitely. You know, it's just why I am. It comes with the caramel skin. It just goes with it. <laughs> um so as you guys can tell steve's one of my longest standing friends he's a great marketer great mind and has gone through some of the most amazing stuff in life now i'm gonna get him to talk about that because some of his stuff is like really stupidly transformational i know we had seth uh ellsworth on a couple of episodes ago and seth of course being the mindset guy he was teaching some really cool shit about how he overcame stuff but steve has a completely different angle now steve do you mind if i tell a story a little bit and then get you to jump on you can say whatever you want, buddy. It's uh, it's an open book here. Fair enough. I was going to say Steve loves me, and I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Steve actually uh, said to me, like Steve used to be a uh, soldier. He used to be um, were you infantry? You infantry? No, I was in the Royal Signals. I was telecommunications, but it was um, we were frontline, so we were right up next to the the infantry and special forces. Wow. So yeah, so that's what you basically did, and how you were there for a couple of years. Um, now, while he was out there, Steve, when he came back, couldn't adjust to civilian life like many uh, vets couldn't. Um, and you developed PTSD off that, didn't you? Like really yeah, badly. I did, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty badly, yeah. Yeah, so once you get PTSD, as someone that's uh, had bipolar depression, you know, well, still has, but like fights over it, PTSD is very, very similar in the sense that you can actually go ahead and create an almost ulterior motive, an ulterior, like, complete personality to who you truly are around the people that you love and it's it's not a fun thing i'm gonna let steve talk about this because like he overcame that stuff and it's absolutely amazing steve take it man you got it well yeah it's um just to give a bad backstory there i was um i was eight years old when i made the choice to join the army and uh, you know a lot of people don't know what they want to do in life and even when it comes into being you know in their 20s and 30s some people just struggle to kind of answer that question like what's my purpose like what am i here to do because Making money is fine, you know, you've got a thing that you want to achieve, like making money to pay the bills, everyone's got to do that, that's just the responsibilities, but for me, eight years old, I was, um, I took part in an assault course, Friday night, down my uh, local youth club, I used to get a pound pocket money from my, my mother, because um, I didn't know my father, and uh, so I took my pound, 
went down to the local youth club and the British Army were there. It was a total surprise and they had set up an assault course for the kids. And uh, so, yeah, I just made that choice there and then that day and it was just uh, such a transforming choice for me because from the eight years old, that's all I thought about. I lived and breathed. I watched all the action movies. You know, I joined the cadets. I did, um, you know, so much stuff towards getting in. Now, 16 years old, I'm in the army. Two years later, I'm, you know, fully trained soldier. Um, I've learned a trade. I've, I've become a soldier. I'm just living my dream. And we got sent on operations um, to Kosovo in 1999. That transformed my entire experience of what the world is capable of. And when I was 18 years old, I saw the, you know, the big, big event, which was um, I saw a 13-year-old boy blown up by a landmine. Now, that changed me. You know, that really impacted me. But what was even harder was that the in that moment, I was thinking, life can't get any worse than this. This is as bad as it gets. I'm thinking, we need to kind of help these people, you know, do something, give medical aid, you know, just be there for them spiritually and, and humanly. We were given the order to leave by our superiors, and we left that family at the side of the road, and that was the single most destructive um, event in my life because at my core being, I'm a person that wants to serve that was why I joined the army. I wanted to serve my country. I wanted to serve the world. A bit naive when I'm younger, looking back, but it, you know, it was a noble cause for me. And I didn't get to serve humanity that day, and it really broke my heart, ultimately. It just, just broke me as a person. And that was when PTSD kind of had a, a chance to kind of fall into my heart, you know, kind of take capture of my soul, so to speak. Uh, but it wasn't until after my second or third tour of duty in Iraq, 2003, you know, I just didn't feel that war at all. It just didn't feel right to me, but it was my job. I had to be professional. And when I came back from there, my whole life just fell apart. I just I just couldn't hold on to those emotions anymore. And I think that, you know, that core being of people, they just can't hold on to it too long. Eventually, yeah. it just eats you out. Definitely, I do know that feeling. It's not a fun one to have as well. Like, so, did, have you seen the movie American Sniper at all? Like, the one that just came out? I haven't, but I've read the book. Right. So, like, the American Sniper and stuff, the reason I bring that up is because um, there's been a lot of criticism on it as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, as a former man in the army, what was your take on it? You know, Snipers is a completely different... Um, it's a completely different kettle of fish from being just a soldier because every single action they take has so many political and social ramifications. You know, it's such a personal kind of, it's a deeper take on what they're doing. Every shot they're doing has got a bigger um, overall change from whatever they're doing. It's, um, you know, that, that, that guy was in a position where he did not want to be. He made the choices himself to be in that position, but in that moment where he, I mean, if I'm getting this right, you know, he had to basically um, uh, decide whether or not to um, strategically shoot a child or not and it's it's crazy man it's not something I could do but um, that, that's his story you know that's his life that's his moment and his choices but uh, no it's not something I could have ever done but you never know when you're in that position you know who knows yeah it, it is one of those things it's kind of like do I take a child's life and 
it's like the whole thing again with uh, the Hitler complex that I, like a few of my friends and I were talking about this a couple of years ago. If you can go back in time and shoot Hitler, or mm-hmm. actually kill Hitler, um, as a child, <sighs> wow. would you be able to do it? No. I mean, that's like the big thing. Would you be no, able to no, kill you, you couldn't. I'm a father of four kids, you know, and to, um, to have that kind of, you would have to be a very empty person. To, to want to do something like that, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a rundown on something that I'll, nobody knows. This. Um, See, I get them to reveal secrets on this podcast. That's what we do. <laughs> I thought this was about business, man. <laughs> oh, we do everything here. Do you know? I'm gonna give you a, I'm gonna give you something, right? I've not told anyone this, but um, to give you a bit of an insight. Yes, I'm an ex-soldier. I'm Scottish. I have worked in oil and gas. I've worked in the oil rigs. So that gives you a bit of a an insight into what that could that person might be. Rough and ready, doesn't mind the harsh environments, has worked in the, the coldest, strongest environments the earth can provide, and I've been there. Now, my family have recently had a bit of a challenge. You know, we um our kids have been getting bullied um quite badly. And very specifically, um these people really kind of made my, my kids feel very, very unwelcome at school and um, it's been very challenging. So you can imagine as a father what you wanted to do was go and beat these kids up, you know, like because they're like older teenagers, so they should know better. But I've had to do things the right way, you know, the righteous way, which means meditating a lot and not going into anger, not going into hatred and, and not seeing just an angry, spoiled child who wants to kind of inflict pain on my kids, but what's really the, the deeper cause there? Why are they behaving like that? And to try and educate my kids as to why they might be doing this. So it's, it's about taking a course of action that does not keep the horrible situation alive. You always have a choice. There is a choice that you can make that you might not have looked at, no one else might have looked at, but that is there. You just have to unravel it, to uncover it, to see the potential of what it could be. There's always a different route. There's always a way. Oh, I totally agree with that. There's always a way around things, and most people don't really see that. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's sucky as, like, a kid that was bullied. I can say this, and I know you told me as well that you were. It's sucky to see your kids go through that. Yeah, it is, but it's also... I've got a bit of foresight as well here because I, I got bullied quite badly and um, a lot of the friends I have in life, they've been bullied as well. Yeah, a lot of the friends just... I have in life are really good people. They're successful, they're empathic, they're ambitious, they're driven, but they're also sympathetic to a lot of the things that most people don't like. And I think for some strange kind of quirky reason, being bullied actually it gives you a little bit of hunger. It, it makes you kind of look at yourself a little bit differently. It's not nice when it happens, but, you know, there's a... We, we find strength and courage through diversity. Oh, I agree. Yeah, we've got an agreement there. <laughs> even with my cat, even he's happy with this. Like, yeah. Let's go with it. But do you know what I'm saying? It's like being bullied, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's terrible when it's happening, but it really does... For some reason, it just makes people stronger, you know? But that doesn't mean I'm agreeing with it. Oh, Just I agree. I, I like to try and see the better things. It's it's the vantage point in, in which you see things. That's all it is. You gotta yeah. you gotta keep an eye on what's good and what's bad, but you gotta look at it in certain ways and lights. It's like, for instance, again, bringing him up because 
you know, a lot of people, he's a powerful figure for this exact reason, it's like Hitler, I'm not a huge fan of the guy, in fact, I'm not a huge fan of anyone that is a huge fan of that guy, mm-hmm. um, but who I am is, I do understand, I look at him as a person, I go, what can I learn from him? I know this guy took a country from complete debt to massive uh, expansion and, you know, amazing, just, just being an amazing individual in the sense of how he basically turned an entire country on its head and got them a to do horrific things. Yes. But brilliant things. Yes. He's, um, I mean, I know what you're saying that he was an master influencer, oh. he was a master influencer and he understood the, the zeitgeist, you know, the, the, the feeling of the times, the sign of the times back then, and he just, he captured the hearts and the minds of a, a nation. Um, however, you know, he just didn't use it for the best interests of anyone. Yeah, and to quote Harry Potter, even though I actually find this kind of hilarious, because um, it's Harry Potter, uh, yeah, he basically, he, he's, it's like Lord Voldemort, he basically went ahead and did um, terrible but great things. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the same thing here. They were great. They were just terrible. And no one's going to yeah. deny it. Like, there's a few people that will deny that. You know, you should have... Blah, blah. You know what? Go jump off a bridge at that point. I'm not a huge fan of you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, Tony Robbins once said that your life, it's a choice. You can either be a warning or an example. You know, you can either be the lighthouse, you know, it's just kind of telling people, warning them off. Or you can be the example, you know, the guru, the mentor, the teacher, the parent, the friend, somebody that you want to be around. Or you can be that, that warning, you know, don't live your life like this. I mean, how many people in your life do you know that you look at them and you think, wow, you know, you are doing so wonderful, beautiful things. You're creating wonderful products or you're, you're creating a non-profit or a business. You're just being a good human being. What a nice person. I, I really aspire to be a little bit more like you in my own way. Or you look at other people and you think, wow, that's not how I want to live my life. Well, not to get too personal here, but my dad was that, was that big example of a negative for me. Wow. Right. Um, it's not so much a soft spot anymore because me and him actually do get on. He's a good dad. Like as, as we've got older, as he's got over some issues and as certain things have come to light, uh, as you know, he's got older, we've, we've figured it out. But um, no, my, my dad was like the example again going back to that whole thing being a kid i think i was uh how old was i i think i was like six or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, i looked at my dad and i just looked at him and I said right if i live my life a 180 from this guy i'm, I'm a success that's yeah. basically it. it's a 180 from this guy because my dad unfortunately was uh he used to get high quite often he used to drink he used to like you know smoke a lot and stuff like that so being yeah. a kid you you really have two options and being a kid that grew up in like a very abusive home, you kind of have only two options. Either let this make me the example of a carrying on generation because my dad was a carrying on his dad. Like my yeah. granddad, even though I didn't know him, used to do the exact same things that my dad did as well. Like the exact yeah. same. It's like you bleed, it's a bleed through event. But when I look at it, I said, no, I don't want that. That, that stuff sucks and it's going to yeah. make me sad. So let me turn on his head. Let me go ahead and get out of this. And it's really down to a choice. I mean, you make that choice at six, six years old before your brain's completely functioned. Guess what? You got to make sure that you have some strong morals growing up because if, if you listen to this and by some miracle, someone has sent this to you, 
and you're listening to this exact part, here's my one piece of advice for you. If you're being bullied or if you're going through a certain financial situation or a certain familial situation in your family, look at the people around you and give thanks for the for what they're doing, good or bad, because complaining yeah. about it is thanking it. I've said for many years, complaints are just thank yous, but they're thank yous that you didn't want. Yeah. So it's kind of like saying, you know what, I hate this so much. Well, guess what you're sending out as a message? Hey, thanks for this. Can I have some more, please? Yes, I know I'm being a little bitchy about it, but I want more. <laughs> yeah, like... No, you're right. It's a nice insight, that, mate. I like that. Um, I appreciate you sharing that there. It's, um, you know, it's, it's so true how um, aligned we are there. But, um, I was kind of from the same uh, background there. I had um, some parents and things like that. Well, my mother, to be exact, who was, uh, she was a bit more like the, the warning. You know, I love her. Um, she's got a good soul, but my goodness, she's made some continual um, bad uh, choices. And um, it's been detrimental to her, and it's upsetting. But, um, you know, I had a lot of alcoholics in my family, a lot of alcoholics, like uncles, aunties, grandparents. Let's, let's be honest, you're Scottish, so that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm Totally understandable, you know. We've come to Scotland, you know. There's nothing else to do here except get drunk and play golf. Think about Iron Brew, but um, playing golf. Yeah, playing golf. I, I've never played golf. <laughs> You're Scottish. You invented the game. It's like in your blood. This is this is where you first go on a golf like a golf course. First hit, it's like shit. He's the White Tiger Woods. Let's just go away. <laughs> well, I tell you what, mate. Yeah, I um, I was a big drinker, and being in the army and Scottish, you know, it kind of just was natural. But um, I was 28, 20, 27 when I quit drinking. And um, best choice I've ever made. The clarity that you get from being sober um, is it's just unbelievable. Nothing has ever felt or tasted as good as the clarity that I have in my mind and the choices I get to make. And it was so nice to actually have my kids about a year and a half ago just randomly turn around and say, somebody was they were at a house and the parents of that house had been drinking and the next morning they couldn't get up early enough so they had to cancel a trip out and they, my kids had came home that night and they'd said, um, it's so nice dad to see you, um, that you're always here for us. Any weekend we need a lift anywhere, you know, you've always got enough money to kind of buy us the things you need and it was like, whoa, you know, to hear that from your kids, is that's the ultimate kind of um, payback so and validation was, of it all. yeah that, that's the word I'm looking for validation just but that's not why I was doing it I, I did it to save my family from you know my mistakes I didn't want to repeat the same mistakes as the generation behind me I wanted to prove to the current generation my kids that there is a different way the choices are not easy but you know once you get used to that choice it does become easier and you can live that way yeah, uh, I agree entirely there. There is also one other thing that you need that I need to like specify that a lot of people don't really understand when it comes to this. Like I've never drank in my entire life. Not so much. I've I've never had a drop of alcohol in my entire life. But I'll be right back. Hold on a second. I'm just gonna get do something. Hold on. Yeah, he's not holding up his end of the bargain of like, you know, staying quiet the entire time. 
I'm referencing to my cat, by the way. But yeah, I was going to say, because I've never drank alcohol, the temptation has always been there for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I wonder what it feels like, because all my friends are getting drunk and all that. The other, I just want to see what it feels like and blah, blah. But it's funny because, like, so many of my friends, like you, Seth, not Ellsworth, but another good friend called Seth Larrabee. Um, yeah. I want to get him on board sometime as well for the podcast. Uh, he, like Christina Vendley and all these other great people, they, they've not, they've stopped drinking entirely. Like, they've been sober mm-hmm. for like a year, two years, three years, whatever it is. <laughs> and they all talk about this clarity you get when, you know, you don't drink. Yeah. And to me, I'm just like, man, if, if everyone's getting clarity when they don't drink, I must have like really bad clarity if I ever drank. Like it must be like super murky as already as it is and add more on top of it. So it's just crazy. Because um, I get the whole, like, I'm assuming, like, you guys, by the clarity, you mean that you don't have a slow mental process. Like, your brain doesn't feel so, oh, I shouldn't have drank that kind of feeling. No, no, no. It's um, it's an awareness. Ah, okay. You know, if I, if I was to say to a friend, um, I ask a lot of people the same question. I ask them, what do you want? And they'll go, oh, I want more money or I want more time at home or I want a business. I'm like, no, no, no. What do you want? And it takes them about five or six times of being asked this question so they can strip down away to get to get me closer to what they're truly looking to get. And it's it's usually an experience, a, an emotion, a feeling. It's um this is the clarity. You know, it took me a long time because you think that you want to be part of a crowd. You think you want to be part of what everyone else is experiencing, but it, it's not that. It comes down to going inwards, you know, that getting drunk and partying and, you know, that was part of my life and it's part of millions of people's journeys, but it's truly just because they want to be part of that inner circle. They don't want to be the outcast, but it's when you become an outcast, it's when you become not part of the crowd that you start looking at yourself and asking the more empowering questions like, why am I here? not part of that crowd. Why am I here in this moment? What am I here to do? What am I here to pass on and to, to learn and to give? These kinds of questions are the clarity that I'm talking about. And then it's that journey trying to answer them. And while trying to answer these important questions, you get to figure out who you truly are um, without alcohol, without excuses, without anguish, without hatred, without fear. It's a truly beautiful feeling to wake up in the morning knowing who you are what you want to do, be willing to make as many mistakes as possible and to just have a bloody good time along the way. It's not about perfection. It's about imperfection. It's about a lot of imperfect imperfect action, just having a good time, being happy. Yeah, and to kind of backtrack about the whole, like, getting someone to tell you what they want, uh, what they really want is so hard. It is like pulling teeth. It really is. I mean, I've had a friend of mine, bless him, he came over and I was like, so what do you want in your dating life? Because that was the thing that we were talking about. It's like, oh, I want this. I was like, okay, but what do you want? I want this. It's like, okay, let's step away from the feeling of I just want Disney love. Let's look at what you really want. What are the negatives of the partner that you want? They can't have any negatives. I'm like, right, do you have any negatives? It's like, yeah, I don't like this. I don't do this. I don't do that. I'm like, so those are all negative qualities, right? So like, yeah. Well, guess what? She has them too. Just pick the ones that you want in that person and make sure that you can tolerate them. Like for him, he couldn't tolerate uh, girls that smoke. Couldn't do it. He goes, I don't care how beautiful she is. If she smokes, don't want to date her. I'm like, great. That's a, that's a standard for you. You don't date smokers. Mm-hmm. 
but you can you you didn't add that into the things that you want in a in a gal like a gal that goes out partying you like you don't mind a girl's party gal or some guys do so it's it's kind of like thing getting clear on what you want what you don't want what your standards are and it's ridiculous yeah i mean it's really hard a lot of people don't actually know what they want they're just kind of floating they're along being driven by the external forces of their lives you know they're being driven by other people's opinions and beliefs they're not really questioning, is this my belief? You know, is this a belief that I have that is driving me forward or is it something that I've picked up along the way? You know, and that, we're getting into the real kind of core nitty-gritty of human emotion here and what drives a person, but when you get to it, it's not that difficult. It's not that complex. It's just being willing to spend, you know, just a couple of hours a day, you know, asking a couple of questions. And that couple of hours a day could be, 10 hours meditation in the morning, you know, clear your mind. You're in a more centered place now to act in a more centered manner. You know, when I drive about, I'm not joking, you're going to laugh here, but I drive about 50 miles an hour everywhere. Wow. Like I drive about 10 miles an hour less what the speed limit is than any speed limit. Um, how, how do you get away with it? Like, that's the one thing. Like, have you not got speeding tickets? Because I did this and they gave me points. What, for going slower? For going fast. No, I'm saying I go slower. Oh, wait, you go fifty. You go fifty when there's a sixty speed limit. Yeah. I thought you were like you were going fifty miles everywhere, including like a twenty zone, a thirty no, zone. No. I was like, no, no. Dude, crazy. I, I drive like I like I drive like a grandfather. Oh and, god, uh, never get never, never let me get in the car with you, man. <laughs> I will I will berate you. That's gonna. It does happen. drive a few people crazy, but you know, I do it because I'm not in that big a rush, you know. I mean, let's let's put this into context, right? We are on a podcast, but both of us are sitting in a room in a country on a planet that is spinning around the sun that is being traversed through a galaxy traveling basically at the speed of light. So me trying to drive 10 miles an hour faster, I'm really not going to get there much quicker. You know, I'm already traveling as fast as we can go. That's the way I see it. So trying to get there that 10 minutes faster, I'd rather leave 20 minutes earlier. Yeah. You know, that's just a philosophy of mine, and it works really well. I've got a clean license. I've got good insurance prices. You know, the, the, the other end of this kind of choice has really worked out for me. I see people overtaking me all the time to try and inch forward literally a couple of feet, a couple of meters. They're not gaining anything, you know, and they're out of control. You know, they're not really in a place where they can kind of manage things better because they're not really understanding their core self. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. People don't really know who they are at their core, so how can they actually go ahead and see things? And again, it's slowing down, really. As much as I make fun of you for it, there is a reason that you slow down, and that's basically to observe the nature's beauty around you. Absolutely. You know, I was out this morning shooting a video, and I actually didn't, go out to shoot a video, I went out just to enjoy the sun coming up. I do this quite a lot. Um, I'm a very spiritual guy, um, and I live in a very beautiful location. I live right at the edge um, of the countryside here in a town where the, the ocean is just at my back door. So I walk out every morning just to have my little moment to myself, take in fresh air, and I get to enjoy the sunset. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to shoot a video here. And I shot a really cool video, and it was just, you know, there was no expectations of it at all, which is really nice, and I do that a lot. Um, but so many people are, are 
too structured. They're far too structured and they're not examining what could be possible. I think it was um, Socrates who said, the life which is unexamined is not worth living. And I'm here to, to kind of examine my life, to examine me as a person, as part of society, as part of my culture. You know, I just want to be and live an extraordinary life. Yeah, I can imagine so. And there's a really cool quote by Socrates, because I can't remember if it was Socrates that said this one, but it came to me today. Know thyself, be thyself, love thyself. Yeah, that's a good one, man. Uh, I'm going to Google who said that. Yeah, Temet Nose, know thyself. Yeah. So know thyself, be thyself, love thyself. Uh, I wonder who actually said that. Ah, oh, crap, it doesn't tell you who said it first. <laughs> it's a good quote. Yeah, I'm just looking on, uh, I know it's in the Temple of Apollo in Delphi, like by the Delphi Coracle. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks a lot like it was Socrates, or no, Plato. Plato was the first Plato, one to use yeah. it. But, um, but so did Socrates, so that's actually a good thing. But what I was going to say was it's quite interesting because it's such a true thing to say. Uh, and again, like I was saying on the Seth thing, on Seth, po Seth podcast, uh, I had an identity crisis not too long ago. Okay. Well, I didn't know who I was. I mean, I was like, I'm this guy, but I'm living as this guy and this guy. So it's basically, have you ever seen Tropic Thunder? Yeah. I felt like I was Robert Downey Jr. going, I'm a dude playing another dude that's playing another dude. That's basically <laughs> yeah. what my head was at the entire time. I'm like, oh, damn it, what the hell? <laughs> so, um, what about now? Right now, I'm still like getting over and finding that true identity of who I am. It's it's becoming more and more than uh, an amorphic process. Yeah, but and it's I, good though. Yeah, and I say this in the, with the most love and respect to everyone, but realistically, I think I was a fucking idiot for getting into business at 18. Why? I really think I was. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I value and trust every single moment that I've taken my choices. I have no regrets with them. But what I have an actual choice with is how the like I didn't let myself grow as a stupid man to get smart. I grew up as a smart man with never making any stupid mistakes. Okay. That makes sense. Like, yeah, it's, it's like the same thing. Like when I got into, um, when I started right for the seduction market, one of the guys there, one of the top guys, he started when he was 17, 18 years old and started teaching at 19. Mm -hmm. And like, he only started teaching because like, uh, anyone that's read the game, they know of mystery. He was, yeah, I've read the game. He was one of Mysteries, um, like one of the guys that used to teach at Mysteries boot camps. Yeah, his name's John Sin. He's an absolute great guy, like absolutely amazing. If I can get him on a podcast, I will. But fucking awesome dude. Anyway, he's there and he's talking about how for him it was the worst thing ever getting into dating when he's before the age of twenty one. He goes, it was good for like you to go out to regular dates, but to do learn how to game and stuff is the stupidest thing you can do before the age of twenty one because. You haven't discovered who you are yet. You don't know who, what you like. You don't know who you are. You don't know what's going on. You don't know anything about anything yet. And the same thing goes for my business. If I'd spend, I don't know, an extra year working at Game Station when I was eighteen until I was nineteen, like, and then left and went ahead and did job and sales, retail sales are cool. Then I went and did door to door sales and I did telesales. I would have had a little bit of an evolution while still being a copywriter and had more money coming in. But realistically, I took away my own safety net and basically jumped out head first thinking, this is going to be amazing. And of course, you know, it's strengthened me in some senses because, you know, it's given me thick skin to like go ahead and say hard times are hard, but I'm harder. 
So it's like the tough tough times don't last, people do. Yeah. That, that's the truth in um, in so many ways. But if you're, if you're under the age of 25, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't really know who you are. I reckon but when you hit 25, that's when you really start asking the serious questions and start to discover who you truly are as a man or a woman. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, when you're that young, you're still in the morning of your life. You know, you've not yet blossomed enough to kind of really experience life's um, traumas. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of a nice thing because that naivety, we need that as well. We need that kind of um, direction in our life that says, oh, I need to go and experience as much as possible, as fast as possible, and as drunk as possible. Um, you know, because uh, you think that you're uh, invincible. And uh, it's a nice feeling when you've got it. It's not until you're really pressed down upon that you actually realize, well, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more fragile than I expected. Maybe I need to kind of make a couple of different choices here but we have to go through that there has to be a uh, you know an evolution to that becoming something you can only become someone or anybody by going through crap that's that's a reality you have to go through something that's really tough whether it's financial emotional spiritual or familial you have to go through something and most of the people i know and like yourself it's a combination of many mm. Go on, dude. Seriously, that, that's like not a cliffhanger right there. you got to finish with something stronger there. It's like it's a combination of many. Don't well, I about. mean, like George Bernard Shaw, he said, George Bernard Shaw, he says, the possibilities are numerous once we decide to act and not react. Now, let's strip that down. Once we decide to act, act towards what? Because most of us are in reaction to everything else. We're bouncing off of other people's conversations we're watching too much television, we're watching too much crap on the internet, we're watching too much of other people's agendas, and we're not truly examining who we are and what we have to give. Because that's ultimately what I've decided to do with my life over the last kind of eight years. As I said, you know what? Booze isn't working for me. Being angry isn't working. Being angry at the world and the armed forces and, and the wars and the famine and the hatred and all the murders and terrorism and all this kind of crap, it's not helping me. So I'm not going to take part in it anymore. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be an example to the only people that I really care about right now, and that's my kids, my family, and my friends, and myself. And doing that, I've, I've helped more people than I could possibly have ever imagined. I mean, you know, I've had, I've had the blessings and, and the luck to be sharing the media with people who want to make a difference in the world. And I didn't get paid for it. You know, I, I did it because it was the right thing to do for me. And it's helped me grow a business. It's helped me grow and become a better person. But because I stopped reacting to what was driving me in the past. And I decided to act, you know. But here's the thing as well. Is you can also decide to act without expectation. You know, like when you see somebody struggling, don't think, if I help them, what will they give me back? Just go and help them and say, thank you very much for the opportunity to just help you and just walk away. Don't expect anything from it. If you see an old person struggling, go and help them. Just say to them, would you mind if I helped you? I can see you're struggling there. Just be a good person, be a decent human being. And if you know you come across a situation where you can see someone's being angry and they're saying things that they shouldn't be saying, don't jump into the, the moment with them and get angry back and say, you shouldn't be behaving like this. Calm yourself down and go and speak to them at a 
different level. Say, you're obviously having a really difficult time. You know, I don't know the ins and outs of what you're going through, but I can see you're in a lot of pain. Is there anything I can do for you? Wait to see them just kind of fall down and say, do you know what? I'm just really struggling. I don't know what to do here. And just say, well, let's figure it out together. Just, just be present for people. Be engaged in the moment. Be present and be a good person. There's the way I see it. There's enough angry, hurting people in the world right now. I don't want to add to that soup. Yeah, I agree with you on that one entirely, dude. Like the amount of times that I've seen stupid shit being posted on my Facebook timeline. It's like, literally, uh, did you ever hear about Abraham Lincoln's habit of like writing really horrible letters to people and then his wife going in and deleting them, like getting rid of them? No. <laughs> right. Abraham Lincoln, a lot of people don't know this. Well, a lot of people do know this that read his biography and understand him. Um, one of the things he used to do was he used to like publicly slam people in the newspaper, like really call them out, like uh, insult them. He would just say like the poetry was shit and they were shit as a human being and it was stupid and like he was really honest about it as well um and like if someone wronged him he would go ahead and write a massive letter into the newspaper to make sure that everyone knew how much of an idiot this person was just stuff like that um but in the morning like when he his wife would always say i'll go drop it off on the post in the post box she yeah. would secretly take like he would drop it off in the post box and then she would quickly nip right behind him and pinch it out the post box before the mailman came to take it <laughs> um, and she did this for years, literally. That's a good wife. Years just to like stop him because like it, it was it would have been really detrimental. But they found these letters after his death, and they're like, wow, no way. Um, it's because he had a moment of anger, and he basically wrote it out, and he was about to go do something stupid. She stopped him. Yay! Saying that though, and doing really stupid things. Whenever I look at like Facebook time posts and stuff, I actually wrote a three. Uh, three-page, equivalent three-page response to someone once because um, their facts was so skewed, personally engaged. They weren't facts at all. They were just personal attacks and using a small amount of truth to try and justify their attacks. Mm -hmm. So I turned around and was like going through this whole tirade of why they were wrong. In the end, I didn't post it. And the reason I didn't post that one was because a week beforehand, a friend of mine had decided to go ahead, and I don't, think, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a guy called uh, uh, Riza Aslam, or Rizwan Aslam, uh, he wrote that book, um, Zealots, Life and Times of Jesus Christ. Okay. He went, on, uh, he went on Fox News, and they were trying to get him to say that Islam is wrong and stupid and all this, that, the other. And what he turned around and said was, well, it's not an Islamic problem, it's a country problem. So like, yeah. what about all these beheadings here? It's like Saudi Arabia has more beheadings than what ISIS have done, and you guys aren't saying anything. What about Mexico? They've got beheadings every day, but I got a drug cartel. And they're like, no, but what about this? What about female um, circumcision in 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 Africa and stuff like that? It goes well, if you look at it, you're saying Somalia is really good, for, like really big for this or whatever country it was, uh, or Ethiopia. Yeah. yeah, Somalia, they're saying that. He goes, yeah, but look at Ethiopia and the surrounding countries around it. They're mostly Christian. They've got a 93% rate of this. We're in Somalia. It's only like a 10% rate of this or something really, really small. I mean, guys, if you're going to like fact check this, don't. I'm just spitballing numbers here because I can't remember what it is. It's like ridiculously low or very small in comparison to the countries around it. Um, and there, he was also talking about like how the Turkish, uh, the Turkish head of state They've had three, or like they've had more than one uh, female leader in power, same as Indonesia. Like 
they're far ahead of the US. They've had a female in power. They've had, you know, elections and elected her in, stuff like this. And these people are getting really mad about it. So um, this friend of mine, who remained anonymous uh, for, you know, just friendship's sake, said something like, uh, yeah, you know, I don't, and it was really weird to me because it was really like, Muslims are like this, and I can't believe they're like this, and his facts are invalid, and and I went ahead and just, like, he wrote all these little quote-unquote facts, and being, uh, for my background, a lot of people may not know, I actually studied every religion under the sun for like six years straight. I mean, uh, the reason I'm actually Muslim isn't because I was just born into it. Uh, I actually had a question of faith at a very young age, like around my teens, mm-hmm. and that just led me read about every religion under the sun, and the one that just made most most sense to me was Islam. So I was like, all right, cool, I'm Muslim. I'm not going to go around and just be like, you have to be as well. I'm like, well, screw that. Be yourself. Do whatever you want to do. Have fun with it. Um, so I wrote back, and I wrote this huge post. Like I literally went through everything, and reading back at it i was a little bit uh condescending because because my opening line was like i want you to read your facts once then i want you to read it twice then read it a third time and hey just in case read it a fourth time and cross check your references before you open your mouth and then i went through every single point that he made and just disproved every single fact and then uh he actually changed his tune and said something like um these are all personal these are all personal things that have happened to me i said but all the ones that you said above were all fact so you're now you're backfooting you're going back on yourself so yeah and then he ended it with by saying one thing and that really made me stop wanting to argue with this guy and he yeah. goes if you if your if your point was to make me feel bad you you succeeded now funny story this guy's a self-development guy he's like into tony robbins has done upw all this other stuff and he said that and uh, I just laughed, and I was like, right, I'm going to stop, not picking on this guy, but I'm going to stop making an example of him, because, you know, it, it's no point. At this point, it's like, he's not having an, he's not having a debate on knowledge with me, he's having a personal breakdown, and he's basically trying to justify his personal breakdown by saying that I'm a bad person, so I'm not going to yeah. let this happen. It's um, easy to get drawn into an argument with people. It's, it's oh, yeah. super easy, especially when there's emotion involved you know like like deep-seated emotions involved and it's um it's uh we all make judgments like that we all tend to kind of um forget ourselves and emotions start sparking in all corners you know but it's um it's just part of being a person you know nobody's perfect nobody's and i don't care if you're tony robbins or you know jack canfield or you know oprah winfrey whoever you might be you know we're all making mistakes we're all screwing things up and we're all saying things we shouldn't say all the time. You know, it's about just coming back to what really matters and that's each other. Um, somebody asked me, you know, once, um, you know, whether I thought the war in Iraq was wrong. And it's like, who the hell am I to answer that? You know, it's like saying, you know, uh, is it wrong for us all to be alive here while the animals are all suffering? You know, it's it, these questions just, they're so they're so open to so many suggestions there's no right answer of course the bloody war was wrong all war is wrong yeah. it's also really hard to not go to war sometimes you know world war Two. you know how do you prevent something like that how do you prevent the next kind of wars that are going to happen we need to change as a culture you know change as a, a diverse culture and learn to live a little bit more it's not at peace it's not living more at peace it's just living just a bit more humanely just being a bit more nice to each other. You know, it's not about sitting in circles holding hands. It's about being able to sit in a circle while not holding hands, but being okay about it. Yeah, 
I mean, making fun of everyone's always my way of, you know, being at peace with everyone because I have to make fun of everyone. Like, so yeah. I, I met this woman on the train a couple of weeks ago. I was going to go pick up chicken wings. That's basically like, you know, because that's, that's my tradition. Once a week, I head out to like uh, an hour out of London to go pick up chicken wings from this place because I just love them. <laughs> Seriously, like, I think I'm going to write that into an expense report one day, just at the end of the year. I spent, like, 500 pounds on chicken wings, just just, just on chicken wings, or if not more. It's ridiculous. But, um, so I was going out, I was talking to this woman, and literally, the first three minutes, I think I made a reference to me being brown. And the mm -hmm. look on her face was absolutely priceless, because it's one of those looks that says, Did you just say that he was... Did he just make a racist joke about himself? I was like, yeah, I do it all the time. It's like my best <laughs> way to introduce myself. It's like, uh, don't sit there white. Well, I'm brown. You can't trust me. That's, that's, that's cool. That's, I like that. It's literally stuff like that all the time. It's like um, when I left Plymouth. Uh, Kenny, if you're listening to this, this is a shot at you, my friend, because uh, I love you, man. Um, I swear to God, he must have sponsored me for this because someone anonymously sponsored me to do No Shave November. I'm under the suspicion it was him. Because yeah. for the because like November was my last training month in Plymouth. I was leaving on December eighth. Um, next thing I know is when I'm leaving, uh, that whole month Kenny just turned up the heat on on the racist, uh, comedy between us because he yeah. he knows we're friends, so he can get away with it. Like he gets away with it so badly, he gives me so much shit for it. It's like yeah. uh, like November fifth, the fireworks are going off. I'm paying attention to what he's saying and the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class, I'm looking at him and like really paying attention and the and the fireworks going off and he looks up at me and looks over in front of a class, half of us are from the old gym so we all know each other and half of the guys are new and have no idea what the dynamic is. <laughs> and literally he, he turns around and looks at me and goes, five more minutes, Saddle, you could have told your people five more minutes before letting off the bombs. And like half the class is erupted in laughter, the other, <laughs> the other half is in shock horror because I've not laughed. And he goes, don't worry, he's my friend, he knows. And then I actually caught up and I started laughing. I was like, oh, you asshole, you got me. <laughs> and then he watched Team America. And now I get messages from him all the time just going, Durka Durka. I'm like, I hate you. I just hate you. <laughs> it's like, hey, Kenny, how you doing? Durka Durka, Durka Durka. I'm like, fucking asshole, hate you. Yeah, but that's that's what it's about, you know, being able to sit in that circle but not have to hold hands. Yeah. Or well, just, unless... just have to laugh and bouncing off each other, you know. Uh, because unless... that, that dark humor really is the best humor oh yeah unless you do brazilian jiu-jitsu then it's most likely someone's dry humping some part of your body because <laughs> yeah. that that sport as much as i love it it's super gay <laughs> yeah i don't think you're gonna see me doing that <laughs> awesome um so come on now let's go and ask me a question that you haven't asked anyone okay question I, I want i want a big deep Tough question, you know the kind of questions because I say this to. Um, We've had a pretty deep conversation already, so okay, I'll ask you one more. I'll ask you one deep question then. It's a little bit, you know, uh, egotistical. I will say that much. But do you think I'm pretty? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. I had to throw that one out there because if someone asks me to, I want you. I want you. I know you do. Giggity. Was it? Um, uh, oh, what's the, the the TV news anchor guy? Oh my God, Ron Burgundy. I want uh, to be on you. I want to be on you. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ron Burkity. Oh, man. Don't ever let me do impressions of people because I will, and we all know I'm actually pretty good at them. <laughs> hey, doing voice acting for a couple of years actually helped out a lot. 
Awesome. Yeah, I'm still working on my Samuel Jackson though. He's got such a hard voice to do, but Bane oh, from he's just he's just cool. Bane from uh, The Dark Knight Rises. I can do his voice like without putting. Like, I have to put my hand over my face so it sounds like him, but without it, I can do it as well. That's pretty cool. So it's like um, let us not stand on ceremony, Mister Wayne. See, it's <laughs> it's getting there because it's still early morning and I haven't actually had anything to drink yet. See, I like, I like making jokes and stuff like that, like, uh, what if Bane was really, um, you know, woke up in the morning and didn't have his Cocoa Pops? Like, where are my Cocoa Pops? <laughs> just in the morning, just for the fuck of it, because, you know, it's like... You ever seen um, Bane the Cat on YouTube? No, I'm going to look oh at this. Oh my god, I'm gonna look this on up. YouTube, it's I'm so funny. I'm going to do that straight after this podcast, just like, spend the next hour Bane the Cat. Oh, it's just, it's awesome, you'll get a kick out of it for a good half an hour. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, man. But, okay, so I'll ask you something that um, really I don't ask questions so much on these podcasts unless they just arise naturally. Yeah. So you kind of told people stuff that no one else knows about. So, you know, kind of you can you can classify as that someone I know something no one else knows. And I got you to reveal that on this podcast when <laughs> I've got everyone to do that so far. Like literally every person on this podcast is like, man, I can't believe I'm telling you this. But uh, <laughs> like, sweet. It's awesome. <laughs> Live here first. Um, okay, so one th- there's there's something I always ask people always uh, whenever I do this podcast. And it's like three things that people can do right now today to uh, move themselves forward towards where they want to be. Like, what are three simple things they can do? Because I know you got the super focus system and like understanding attention. But like, seriously, what are three things people can do today, whether it's business or personal? Because believe it or not, there is no boundary between the two. Which one would you do? Like what three things would you so do? So if you wanted to make headway, if you wanted to make progress in something. Yeah. yeah. Right. Honestly, this is probably going to be counterintuitive to what people are expecting. Stop. Stop doing what you're doing. If you're not getting to where you want to be, don't pick up another book. Don't pick up a course. Don't buy anything. Don't listen to anybody. Don't seek out advice. Don't do anything for anybody else. But just stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop dead in your tracks. Even if you have to sit down and just just think for a little bit. Answer the questions yourself. Stop asking for anybody else's advice. You know, just slow down a little bit and take ten minutes, take an hour, take a day, just to kind of slow down and stop. Because look, the biggest mistake most people make in trying to make that progress is they just keep plowing forward. Because they think, if I'm busy and I'm doing something, it's better than doing nothing. Well, no, you're wrong. You need to stop. Slow down. Stop. Come back a couple of paces. Find your heart pace again. Find your mind. Find your, you know, that conversation that's going on and listen to that. Kind of tap into your soul a little bit more. Listen to yourself because, honestly, it is, the answers are within you. It truly is. You know, the, the, the slower you go, it's actually easier to kind of uncover a stronger path, a more directed path. Ultimately, my advice to people is to become a self-directed person, a self-directed individual. Know who you are, know what you want, but to do that, you need to stop. You know, if you ever if you ever have kids, mate, you know you you watch them; they're just constantly busy, constantly doing stuff. They never stop. But it's when they stop, it's when they have the most fun. It's it's when you see them just not doing anything they're just having fun and they're not trying to have fun they're not trying to do anything or accomplish anything and when you watch this when you observe it you realize you know what they're not actually trying to do anything they're just being happy 
they're not trying to be happy they're not trying to achieve happiness they're not expecting it to happen in an hour or two they're just being really fucking happy right now and they're not trying anything it's because they've stopped trying to accomplish everything now so many people think that um they have to go and do something to get to somewhere else most of the time if you just slow down and stop you realize that the answers are right there yeah. Um, I, I spoke to a good friend, um, a really, really interesting guy, really interesting guy. Um, his name's Carwin Ray. Um, Carwin's awesome. Oh, such a good soul. He's such a nice guy. And um, I was listening, I was um, interviewing him about two years ago, and he said that he went on a transformational journey. And he left Sydney thinking he had to leave, get out of Sydney to find himself. And he went on this big, massive, long adventure. It was like about a year. And he didn't really figure out what he was trying to figure out on the way. It wasn't until he said that he land. He came back to Sydney and as the plane landed and he got off the runway and his feet touched the ground, he realised that everything he needed was right there anyway. Yeah, that's kind of scary, but it's like the, uh, if you read, you read the book The Alchemist, right? Oh, yeah. One of my favourite books, I love reading it, it takes me about a day to read now because I know, you know, it's just like skim through and remind it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting key points to that is if you realize the main character, he leaves Spain yeah, to go to, uh, what was it, Tangier. That's right. Goes from Tangier to, to the caravans to get to Egypt. He gets yeah. to Egypt only to find out he needs to go all the way back to Spain. Yeah. And that's basically what Calvin had. But yeah, yeah. tell me your next point, dude. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I see people and, and they're so busy and they... They mistakenly look at busyness as progress, and it's not. Look, if you if you're here to do something meaningful, you know, and purposeful, slow down and ask yourself, what is it that you're truly trying to accomplish in this life? Because there's nothing wrong with having ambition. There's nothing wrong with having a hell of a lot of money. I believe money to be one of the most spiritual resources on the planet. Oh, I and, agree. Just to interject there, one of the favorite things that my friend Jesse Alder said. Uh, was getting like money. You should think of money as thank you notes for the service that you deliver. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's nothing more spiritual, more creating and uh, um, making a product or a service to make someone's life better. Why wouldn't I want money for that? Why wouldn't I want someone to to pay me for that? You know, because they're gonna get so much value. Um, I think it was Jay Abraham said that um, he's a value connector. He connects the value like the dot to dots. Mm-hmm. He takes one person's value and another person's value and he connects them together and he streamlines it and he makes it so that interjectors. And I just love the way he did that. Um, I, I, that's all I've ever done, you know. And well, more recently in the last few years, I didn't do it as a, <laughs> a young man. But um, I, I just uh, I love the opportunities in life. I think we make our own luck. I believe that. Um, we are here to achieve something, and we do have. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a book just now about destiny. I, I do believe in destiny, but I believe that we we direct our own destinies. That's the, the choices that's, we that's make. That's the name and, of the book, isn't it? Directing destiny. Yeah, directing destiny. I've been writing it for quite a while, but it's um, it's it's a it's a very powerful book. It's a very spiritual book. Um, it's not finished yet, but I'm I'm having a lot of fun. I'm not pushing it out, you know. I'm not um, forcing it out. Um, I made the choice that this was going to be the most important book that I ever write in my life. Um, but when it's finished, it will be finished. And until then, and only until then, will it be finished. I'm not forcing it out. It's not got a, 
um, a deadline for a publisher. It's a very important book for me. Um, and a lot of what I've written in it is messages to my, my family and to my children and to my grandchildren when they do arrive on this earth. Hmm. That's pretty awesome, man. Appreciate that. You're pretty much having just a moment of introspection, weren't you? Yeah, I'm just, you know, I love, I love people, Adil. I love people. I love this world. I love this country and I love every other country in it. And I love a lot of the people that maybe don't deserve love right now as the world might look at them. And I think if we're going to make a difference in this world, we have to be able to look at ourselves and truly, like Socrates said, truly, truly examine our lives. If we're not going to sit and examine our lives and ask ourselves the important questions, why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? Why, why have I been given this gift? You know, why am I breathing right now? There has to be a reason for it. It's not just a fluke. It's not just an accident. There is an ultimate destiny for each and every one of us. But what's the destiny of us as a, as a planet, as a community, you know, as a culture? What are we here to do? And how can I make that better? How can I make that, you know, more interesting, more fun, more enjoyable, you know, less painful, less traumatic, less, you know, agonizing? Um, I think the world is a wonderful place and it's just a big game. It's a big game to all have a, a good go at and all have a good time over here. Um, I mean, I'm only 34 years old, you know, and I've got so much left to do. Um, but I'm having a time in my life just getting to know myself and getting to know my kids and, and all my friends. I'm enjoying myself. That's the best way to do it and be, dude. Just enjoy it, grip it, rip it, have fun, and really kind of go with it. A lot of people don't do that enough. And I have life by the balls, man. <laughs> See, I, that's a good quote from Dodgeball as well. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you can dodge a, if you can dodge a uh, spanner, you can dodge a dodgeball. That's one of my other yeah, favorites. It's <laughs> uh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, there's so many cool things in life that a lot of people miss out on because, again, this is something I said that my friend said to me once. Um, that it was always down to they in, they love what they do, but they wish they had more time freedom to enjoy other things as well, like hang out with friends. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I get that um, more often, which is the reason why I do what I do. Cause I, I, I do what I do because I love, I love my work, but I also love the freedoms it affords. Yeah. So I can make sure that I can spend time with my friends, my family, and of course my cat. I know he's a pain in the ass this entire interview, but he's going through mating season. So sorry guys. That's the reason he's not sitting out right now is because uh, he, he's going to pee in my apartment. I don't want him to. So He just wants to podcast. Yeah, he Yay! does. <laughs> Pretty much. You couldn't have timed that any better. I know, right? But that was really painful because what he did was his claws haven't been clipped and he just scratched the crap out of me. So that's uh, always fun. You're going to have a bath later. You do know that, don't you? He loves having baths. So it's really weird. He's a cat and he loves baths. You know, it's funny you were saying there about um, your friend who wants more time freedom to kind of do more things. Um, I don't really share this with a lot of people, but I only, I only actually work about five months of the year. Um, yeah, really I have seven same. months. Yeah, I only have uh, seven months where I get to do whatever I want with who I want and how I want. And it's, um, I probably could make a hell of a lot more money um, if I worked maybe ten months of the year. But um, I, I tell you what, mate, I, I spent a long time away. Um, when I was in the army, like six months away without a day off, and I did that quite a lot. So I, I spent about a year and a half on operations, 
and on exercise. And I've spent a lot of time away, you know, trying to make a career as well. But now I made the choice that I'm only working, you know, half the time that I used to because it's not just about money for me. It is about, um, for me, it's about raising a family. And that's, my family is the single greatest treasure of this earth for me. And to be able to watch them grow, to be able to see them become someone, um, watch them as they're playing Lego, be around them while they're becoming a teenager, you know, having the birthdays and just being able to watch them grow up. It, it's just, it's the joy of my life. And to be able to share that with my wife, you know, Lindsay, it's just, it doesn't get any better. Oh, I And I see everyone trying to make money. Like, it's the ultimate thing. It's like, it really isn't. It's, it's good. It's not everything. See, I like this one quote from a movie called Dark Shadows, uh, which stars Johnny Depp. It's, it's like one of my favorite quotes, and it's something that I'm actually incorporating into my own family values, because I believe that you should have those before you actually have a family, so you understand what you look for when, it, when the time comes, it's already there. Mm-hmm. And that is, family is the true wealth. Oh, it's, it's so true. You know, I mean, I'll give you a piece of advice here, right? I'll, I see a lot of parents, and they have so many rules, so many structures for their home environment. Now, it's nice to have an environment where things work and there's structures and that, but see, when you've got kids, mate, don't have too many rules. Oh, no. Are you you, know, I, I don't have many rules at all, so... Honestly, man, you know, I used to have so many rules when I was a young father, and it just backfires all the time. Because <laughs> the kids look at you and go, hmm, a rule to be broken. Pretty There's much. There's another way to wind that up. Oh, man, kids, uh, John D. Martini said best, kids are just there to... Um, basically make you love the parts of yourself that you hate. So for oh, you, for you so having cool. that many rules, it would be kind of like, I really don't like no order. And of course, because you're in the military, you're used to taking rules and orders and having everything set place. And it's like, you like peace, not chaos. Whereas yeah. kids are like, dad chaos. likes peace. Chaos! Yeah. <laughs> whereas the other, like, for me, it was the other end of the spectrum. Whereas my dad, like my family was complete chaos. I always appreciated peace. So yeah. I'd always try and work for that. So it was always weird. It's cool, man. I love that. Yeah, so uh, it's a lot more fun. It's it's crazy, but yeah, guys, um, check out Steve's site, attentiondomination.com. It is fucking awesome over there. Uh, guy has so many great stuff going on. Um, the only reason we're cutting this podcast short, unfortunately, is because I actually need to get going. So I've only realized what time it is. But uh, I don't want to spend too much time on here because, like, Steve knows me and him can spend, like, four hours together and make it seem like five minutes and we just have so much more to talk about. But definitely, I'd love to have you back on, dude. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Oh, no, absolutely. I've had a, I've had a really good time. It's, um, I just love shooting the shit with you, mate. It's, uh, it's nice to be here. So and um, I look forward to the next time. Definitely. Of course, guys, have a great time. Head on over to attentiondomination.com as well as... Uh, you know, check out purelyhosting.com forward slash Adel to get your business and life and website stuff started today. Uh, Another episode of Adel and Marcy Unplugged done today, and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Take care.